Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Sarah Layson with Keller Williams in Memphis, Tennessee. Last year, she closed 86 transactions with a total sales volume of $32 million and a GCI of $916,000. Her average sales price was $379,000, of which 74% were buyers and 26% were sellers. Sarah has a seven-member team, four buyer agents, one transaction coordinator, one marketing manager, and one team leader. Sarah is the team leader of the Lacing Group. She's been an agent for four years and works the Memphis and Nashville markets. In this call, Sarah talks about building sales skills and systems for the first four months, then selling 25 homes her first year by networking and working homegrown internet leads generated by her husband, Scott, the marketing manager, expanding into a second market due to a family illness, managing a team remotely from 200 miles away, the schedule and technology used to keep her team members accountable and on goal, how she's generating 38% of her business from homegrown internet leads with both free search engine optimization, SEO, and pay-per-click PPC ads. The relocation package offered that accounts for 50% of her internet leads. Which internet ads are providing the highest return and the average cost? How to get a prospect's email address when you only have a cell number? What she's doing to generate 62% of her business by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence, including her annual marketing plan. Two referral scripts you can use with your sphere of influence. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Sarah. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Hey, Sarah. It's great to have you here. Sarah, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and right out of college, I was a Greek advisor for a university in Memphis, Tennessee, Christian Brothers University, and I had a brief stint there for about three years as a Greek advisor, orientation instructor, and I was essentially over all of student life at that university. And then um, worked for a brief stint as well at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, did marketing and events for them. And then life threw a curveball at me and I met my husband. And then I decided it was time for me to move to be closer to him. So I got a job at Six Flags Inc., and which is everyone thinks is hilarious, (laughs) Um, which I worked there for approximately four years. And I attribute most of my sales experience to working at Six Flags. So I did business to business, corporate sales, and had to convince big companies like Lockheed Martin to come, you know, buy the park out and do corporate events for their employees. And then 
I sold tickets, you know, in mass volume to those organizations in 2008 when everybody was being laid off. So I learned how to sell pretty quickly when the market was down. What made you transition into real estate? Well, my aunt's always been a mentor of mine, and she was really big with Keller Williams back in the day. And so she, you know, it was probably 30, 40, 40 years ago that she was in the business. So I've always looked up to her, and I've always kind of watched her in the business, and I kind of did some odd jobs for her in college and before college. So that was something that was always in the back of my head. But then John Jones um, is a good good friend of my family. He's a broker. You've actually had him on one of your calls before. And he's a mega agent in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He called me up one day because he knew I was looking for a job transition and sent me the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, which I'm sure you've heard of. Sent me that book. After I read that book, I decided it was time for me to make a jump and to go all in and get into real estate. Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah, John is a great guy. I'm so glad that he invited you into the business. Did you initially go work with John? I did not. So him and I had multiple conversations about me, you know, going that route. And we decided, my husband and I, because we were moving from Atlanta, that we wanted to move to the city of Nashville. John's in Murfreesboro. He sells predominantly in Murfreesboro. And my husband and I just decided, you know, coming from Atlanta, we really wanted to kind of plant our seeds and our roots in Nashville. We loved seeing all the growth that was transpiring there and really wanted to be a part of it. So after all of those conversations, we decided, you know, Nashville is really where we wanted to land. But John has been a huge help for me throughout my entire career. What a fantastic mentor. Well, let's talk about that first year that you got into the business. Did you have a fast start or a slow start? So when we first started, I'm very big about making sure that we had, I'm going to attribute a lot of things to football. My brother's a big football coach and has been very successful in that. And so I, I attribute athletics to success a lot of times. What I've seen, you know, with players before they play a game, they have to practice. So I was really big for the first four months, my husband and I practicing, you know, scripts, making sure I had a buyer consultation put together, making sure I had a listing presentation together. Everything they tell you probably not to do in the business, because typically they tell you to go, you know, right after it and start making calls. But it was really important for me and the brand and the image to make sure I set that up front and to look bigger than what we really were. So, and I kind of learned that through corporate America, that if I looked bigger than what I was before I even had my first appointment, I felt confident in knowing everything I needed to know to make sure that my client was well set up um, through a buyer consultation or through a listing presentation to move forward with the knowledge that they needed. So for the first four months, there was a lot of planning involved and we didn't sell anything in that four months. And then I had my first deal, which was a referral from a loan officer. And this is before my husband created this website that took off. So that was my first deal was with a referral. And then from that period on, we did 25 deals. And it kind of just took off after that and then continued to increase tremendously after that. A couple quick questions there. Have you taken the DISC personality profile? Yes. <laughs> Do you know where you score out? Well, I don't know the exact scores. I'm a very high, high D and a high I, like to the point my team thinks it's hilarious when I go into meetings. But the running joke with our team is, you know, me having such a high D and high personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, systems are very important to me just because I want to make sure that when I'm going into a meeting, I'm very prepared. 
And I think, you know, having that system side of me has helped. That's not my natural style, but I do understand the importance of that. Right. Yeah, that's why I asked. I wondered if you were a high C with so much organization up front, but that was your D switching over to your C. Exactly. I just know it's very important for me to educate a client. I needed to know what I was talking about going into it. I knew I could set appointments from sales. I already had that sales experience, but I needed to have the knowledge going into a meeting so that I felt confident that I'm giving them the right representation they need to move forward with us. Closing those 25 deals in the the second part of your first year, how did that come about? What were you doing to make those transactions happen? I was a ton of networking. I was at every single networking event. I was the person that would meet with every loan officer, every title company, every home warranty company, whatever I could do to get my name out is what I was doing. And then the internet lead generation started to take off because my husband created a website. He actually, when I moved to Nashville, he was still in Atlanta selling our home in Atlanta. So we had two months apart and he created this amazing lead generation tool a website where other realtors pay thousands of dollars for internet lead generation. And I was, you know, at the luxury of my husband creating that for us. And so at that started at about month six. And I mean, I would say it was probably 20% of my networking and 80% of those internet leads coming through. I mean, that was the bulk of our business. Very good. Well, we're going to get into what you're doing there with the internet lead gen and the website in just a minute. Before we do, let's keep going on a couple quick details. First of all, how long have you been in the business? Uh, four years. Four years. Well, that's a fast start. And how many homes did you sell last year? Last year, we did 58 homes, worth about $21 million. Oh, that is fantastic. And this year, we're sitting about mid-November. What's your year-to-date number of homes sold in volume? 84 homes, and that's you know, both markets. Memphis just took off, and we can talk about that, I know, later, but 84 homes, and then 31.9 million. <laughs> That's great. Do you know what your GCI is? Um, GCI is about 900,000 this year so far. Wow. But the year's not over yet. I want to cross 1 million. <laughs> what do you think you'll hit by the end of the year? Well, I mean, I, I would love to see 1 million. If we're that close to 100 units or 1 million, I'd like to cross the threshold with one. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. We're going to be voting for you. Do you have a lot of transactions under contract right now? Do you think it's likely? We do in Memphis. We had eight or nine closings in Nashville. So that's kind of slowed down quite a bit. Memphis is geared up. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can have our Memphis market, you know, bring that home. Well, let's answer that question. I'm sure people want to know why you're talking about Nashville and you're talking about Memphis and what's going on there. So So give us the quick story. Why are you in two markets? This just kind of goes back a few years. Um, I went to my first Keller Williams mega camp, and they started talking about expansion teams before I'd even sold a deal. And to me, I didn't understand. When I'm sitting there listening to people talk about expansion, it, it made sense to me. You're basically a small franchise within Keller Williams. You know, you're branching out with your own brand into different markets. And I thought, well, that's something I want to do one day. Um, I haven't sold a a single house yet, so that's probably not on the table for the next three years. But, you know, we kind of got catapulted into it. We we had our business in Nashville for three years. And then, um, unfortunately, last fall, my mom went in for a routine surgery, had three strokes, and God kind of pulled me into Memphis. So decided 
family is everything for me and our team, you know, knows that and our team is everything to me. So I figured I was given the opportunity to have, you know, our team in Nashville and the system set up strong enough that I knew that I could go into a different market and start building up a team in a different market and then have the opportunity to be at home to help care for my mom and my family when we needed it. Okay, so it sounds like you started the team up for the first several years in Nashville, and you've got a core there, and then you have a a satellite or expansion office out in Memphis. Is that true? That is correct. Okay, how many people are working in Nashville? Well, Nashville, we currently have um, one full-time admin, and then we have three agents. Okay, and then how about in Memphis? Memphis, we have one full-time agent. I'm kind of running both agent and team leader. And then my husband is the full-time marketing for both markets because he has to generate a brand new website for Memphis as well. What percentage of the business is coming from Nashville versus Memphis? Nashville is carrying, I mean, I would say probably 85%. I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean, Memphis has really only been up and running since about July. Okay, so this is all pretty new, just coming down, and you're just setting Very up. Very new. How far away is Memphis and Nashville? How many miles? I don't know how many miles. It's about, a, since I've driven it a bazillion times in the past six months, it's about a two and a half, three-hour drive. Okay, so you could make it in a day, maybe a half-day drive. But what's interesting is it sounds to me like you've been able to run your Nashville office remotely from Memphis. Is that true? A hundred percent. Yes. How have you been able to do that? Strong people, strong systems. I've always told you coming out of the gate, systems were very important to me. And so I always knew how important they were, but I don't think I really realized how important systems are when you live in a totally different city. So there's been some hiccups along the way, but I mean, I had very strong leadership, in my opinion, in the Nashville office and very strong agents. I mean, it really, you would think moving to a different city, our business would take a step back and it grew. So, I mean, hats off to the agents in Nashville because I know that they're doing what they need to do to, you know, build wealth and for their families and they're doing an amazing job. So you were forced into expansion earlier than you expected. Correct. (laughs) It's all been a blessing in disguise. I mean, because if we could, I'm not even going to say if, when we make it work in Memphis the next year, because it's, it's taken off, we're going to hit Chattanooga and then the Southeast and we'll go from there. I feel like God had other plans and wanted me to do it faster than what I realized. Let's talk about how are you managing the people back in Nashville while you're not there? I'm very involved. I, and not from a micromanagement standpoint, but from, I really, really care about our people. So. I need to make sure, you know, when I interview people, I mean, I tell them, I want you making six figures coming into this business in your first year and a half. I want to make sure that you're hitting your personal goals, professional goals, spiritual goals, fitness goals, whatever those are. So, I mean, we have every single week, I have um, a 30-minute coaching call with each person on our team. Every time we hire someone, I'm speaking with them daily. I'm very actively involved in that process. And then we have our team meetings that we have weekly as well, our entire team coming together. So, I mean, I would say very involved in their day-in and day-out activities so that I can make sure that we're all achieving more together. 
though it sounds to me like you're staying in touch with your team. You said, just to recap real quick, you got weekly 30-minute coaching call with each member. You also have daily calls with new members and then a weekly team meeting. Now, you're doing that remotely. How are you doing the meetings? Are they over the phone? Are you using Skype? What tool are you using for the meeting? It's a conference call system, and I'm ashamed to say I don't know because our admin sets all of this up on the back end. So it's like a it's a Skype system. So that I need them to see that we're here, and it's important for me to go every month or every other month so that they know that we're constantly we're here. Just because we're not physically there doesn't mean that we're not there and we're not still a team. When you say the conference call, are you just on the phone? Or are you doing it through the internet with video where they can see you and you can see them? Video conference. Okay. So maybe something like Zoom or one of those programs? Yes, I actually think it is Zoom. Okay, cool. Well, very good. Thank you for walking us through that. It sounds like it's working well, and I can't wait to catch up with you and see how things are in about a year. Sounds like they're going to take off. Let's do this. Let's talk about your lead generation. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you have this internet lead generation system that's working pretty good. And if I understand correctly, it's about uh, 38% of your business right now. Could you tell me what you and your husband set up that was working so well? I'm not going to say me. I'm going to put that all for him. His baby. I mean, the way he set that up, so he does, so he's developed both websites and both markets. And there's a lot of value pieces on there through, he's writing blogs, newsletters that we put on there a bunch of information, then obviously you've got your IDX feeds in both markets. And through SEO, organic marketing, Facebook ads, Google AdWords, we are creating leads that are coming into our website that funnel through our database and then go through to our agent. We'll kind of start breaking that down. Sounds like you have two websites, one specific to each market that you're in. Correct. What's the name of those websites if somebody wants to take a quick look? Memphis Realty Search is the one for Memphis. And if you just do lacingroup.com or nashvillehomeviewer.com, it'll um, take you to both of our websites. Now, on these internet leads, before we go any deeper, do you tend to bring in more buyer leads or seller leads? Buyer leads. But in my opinion, buyer leads, somebody's always got a property to sell somewhere. So if we're asking the right questions, we can capture both. (laughs) Uh Aha, very good. And let's talk about those websites and what's on them. People aren't looking, they're just listening to you. So you said first you have a blog, you're putting a lot of content out there, uh, content marketing. What type of content are you putting out there that's attracting these folks to your site through the SEO? That's uh, the search engine optimization, the free traffic that you're getting. How's that happening? What kind of content are you putting out? I mean, most of the time, we typically have articles that stats. Everybody tries to get almost way too creative with what kind of content they're putting out. But in our opinion, numbers is what people really want to see. I mean, that's what, as a homeowner, you really want to see what the trends and the numbers are doing so that you can figure out if it's a good time for you to sell and buy. And you also, if you're coming into a market, you want to see how the market's performing. So we always have numbers on there. We're really big about what we did in Nashville, and this is a little different than Memphis. We learned 80 people a day are moving to Nashville. So why could we not provide content based on relocating maps of Nashville, any types of value that we can add for these people that are moving brand new to a city, and we use that content to generate more appeal for people 
that are relocating. So that we are essentially capturing people that are relocating to the city and not going through relocation companies. Now, you mentioned you put up stats. You started with stats. What kind of stats are you putting up and how specific are they? Are you talking about the entire, in, let's start with Nashville. Are you talking about the entire Nashville market? Are you breaking it up into subdivisions or cities? What kind of stats and, and what area? We typically do a general overview. So we were you know, members of the Greater Nashville Association of Realtors. So they typically would send out stats of the overview of the metro area. So we would send that out. And then we have other members that are, I know you're not familiar with how the counties are broken down, but south of Nashville is another big county that we work in. It's called Williamson County. And some of our team members are members of those organizations and we'll provide general overview of how the market's performing in Williamson County as well. And then if we have a specific farm or a specific neighborhood that we're really wanting to focus in on, then we'll show specific numbers for those neighborhoods and then do a targeted marketing campaign around those. How often are those stats updated? So are you showing stats for the prior year, the month, the quarter? Once a month. Once a month. You're updating those monthly. And can people look back to prior months or is it on the same page and you're just rotating the information through that same page? They can look back through prior months as well. And what kind of stats are they looking at? The number of homes sold? What are they looking at? Number of homes sold, price points are a big thing, especially for us as well. I mean, we pull up our website. We always want to direct people back to our website. So during our consultation with buyers, we need them to understand what the actual average price points are. And people want to know that information so that they're getting accurate information. Because um, somebody can tell you it's seller's market all day long or a buyer's market, but until you show the numbers, you're just going off of word of mouth and you're not actually seeing the facts. So we'll typically do the monthly breakdown of the different areas. And then that's pretty much it. I mean, and then we'll put the price points on there and days on market. And then we'll break it down between single family homes, multifamily homes, and then condominiums. How are you getting people who go to your website to look at that information? How are you taking them from there to becoming a lead in your system? What's the transition? What's the call to action? How are you getting them from looking at the site to what's next? How are you getting them into your system? Typically, there's a few different things. So with the IDX feed, if they're clicking on a property and they want to view it, we've got a sign-up popped up. So we've got that. Or if they have a stat, if you want more information about specific county or whatever, please sign up for additional information. The relocation packet is huge for us because people want content and information about the city. And that packet has everything they need in it. And so that's usually one of our highest clicks. Now, if they were looking at this information, I want to stick with the stats for a minute. They're looking at those stats. How are they going to know that you have a reload package? Is there something in a sidebar? Is it a one of those pop-up boxes that they see on their screen? How do they find out about the reload package they become excited about? He typically puts everything on the sidebar. It's over there on the sidebar. And they just notice that there's an offer there and they pick up on it and they move forward. That's great. What's in that reload package? I mean, it's pretty much everything. I mean, it has drive times for commute times around the city. And it even shows you just kind of a general visual map of where the different neighborhoods are within the city. It'll show you even a breakdown of the different neighborhoods 
and what each neighborhood has to offer and what some popular restaurants, coffee shops, and those types of things are in each neighborhood. For somebody that's moving to a brand new city, all those things are great value pieces for those potential clients. I assume you have the little sidebar advertisement. You mentioned bullet point a couple of these items that will be in it. They click on it. I assume a form opens up. What kind of information do you collect from them at that time? Typically, it's going to be a name, phone number, and email address. And then where does that information go? Is that tied into a system in the back end? Yes. So it goes into follow-up boss, and then there'll be a lead alert that'll go directly to our agent. Follow-up boss is our database. Over the last year, how many transactions do you think you could attribute to that reload package? Oh, wow. I would say in Nashville, it's probably about 50% of our internet lead. It's a high converter. Wow, that is fantastic. So you really are targeting people moving in. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And we're doing the same thing in Memphis. We don't have as many people relocating in Memphis, but we have a lot of FedEx is the hub here. So we have a lot of people that are wanting second properties because they work for FedEx. So we're capturing them through that as well. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Now, how are you getting people that are just surfing around in the internet? How are you getting that SEO, those people to come over and check out your site? Are you putting something unique on the page or in the keywords? or What are you doing to get people to come over and check it out? i got to be honest, Mike. I can't answer that question. <laughs> that would be a Scott Lason question. <laughs> That's fair what enough. What he does is... Yeah, he's very great at what he does, and he tries to talk to me about it. It's way over my head. (laughs) (laughs) But through SEO and Google AdWords is typically what he's doing. Well, let's see if you know some of that. Uh, You mentioned the pay-per-click, the Google AdWords, and the Facebook. Do you know what kind of advertisement is going out to drive traffic back to the site? Typically, it depends on what method he's using going to get a better return with Google Ads, but we pay more per click. And I don't know what specific words he's using in order to pay for that. I have no idea. And then that essentially, it to me is from what we, him and I have discussed is the highest converter is Google Ads. But I mean, you're paying, I think he said like 11 to $12 per click. So it can add up really quickly. So if you're doing those types of things to generate leads, you better have someone that actually knows what they're doing or you're throwing a lot of money out there and not getting a return on investment. Yeah, good point. So you're saying that for you guys, the Google ads are working great. So people are probably doing a search for Nashville. They're thinking about relocating there. Any idea what kind of uh, keywords you're using that are working better than others? Is it just the word Nashville or is there a combination of words? I have no clue what he's doing with that. That would be a separate conversation with Scott. (laughs) Okay. But you did have an idea on price. You said. I mean, 11 to $12 per click. Do you know approximately how many clicks will result in a lead? I mean, typically, so all of ours, so we can't track when it goes into follow-up boss. I mean, he gets about 400 leads a month in Nashville. And then we get about a 2% conversion. So we're not paying for as many ads 
we probably could, but we don't, we kind of play red light, green light with that. So, I mean, we're looking at about a 2% conversion with all of our internet leads, which is pretty low. You hear a lot of people say five, six, seven percent, but I mean, we're not spending a ton of money and we don't have that overhead. Sure. Yeah, I typically hear closer to 1%, maybe two. And yeah, there are people oh, okay. that push it higher, but I think you're probably in the ballpark. And we'll talk more about your follow up systems. But to stay on that just for a second, do you know what your budget is for these internet leads? You said you're getting 400 leads per month. Do you know what the budget is, how much it costs to generate those 400? I know it's under 1000 I want to say six to 800 total a month. That's pretty good. Let's say 800 for simple math. It's real low. So you think he's getting leads for $2 a piece? Well, he's doing Facebook leads, and then you've got to understand our organic marketing is, is pulling in a lot of leads as well. 400 is the organic as well as the paid. So it's a combination of both. It's all of it. This is your blend. And there's rate. really no way for us to track it. Yeah. We just have a certain amount on Google that we're willing to spend on XYZ day or month. And then same thing with Facebook ads. And then organic will do what it does. And it all goes into follow-up all. So it doesn't typically say where it's coming from. It's just coming directly through the website. But my husband, you know, on the back end of Google, said that Google AdWords are typically going to give you the highest rate of conversion than any of the other ones, but you're going to pay to play on there. And that can essentially add up very quickly. Sure. Yeah, there definitely are people that go crazy on their budgets there. It sounds like you've been able to keep it in budget. Let's talk about how you convert those 400 leads once they come in. You said you're getting about 2% conversion. What are you doing to make that happen? The number one thing is to call them immediately. There's so many internet leads out there and there's so many teams and individual agents calling on internet leads. And if you are not the first person to call them, you're out. (laughs) But calling them, we call them, we text them, we email them on, they essentially get put on an immediate trip campaign forever. And then we continue, we have a system in the back end with call, text, call. We try to find them on Facebook. We try to find them on LinkedIn. A lot of people don't know this. This is a good tool we've used. Typically when somebody signs up, a lot of times they're just going to put their name and their email addresses and they won't give you a phone number. Well, they have an iPhone. You can text them. You can put their email address in your text and then send them a text message through their email. And a lot of times if they send you a message back, you can capture their cell phone numbers. Ah, and so has that been fruitful for you? Have you gotten a lot of phone numbers from that? Oh, yeah. There's a way to find these people if you want to find them. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hide forever. No, they can't. And they signed up because they wanted information. So if they want information, that means they want to buy or sell. Um, and that's the one thing I preach to our team. I mean, you're going to get bad leads. You're going to have people that put in bad information. But you're also more than not going to have people that do want to get information on stats or relocation or whatever it be. And they're going to put their email address on there. And from there... Once we've got their email, and we can talk about this in a minute, we essentially will send them a wish list of what they're looking for. And on that wish list is another call to action for them to enter their phone number. And typically, that's when they'll enter it. And then we have their phone number. Aha. Very good. Now, you said a wish list. What does that mean? So a wish list is basically an information form for buyers to complete with certain questions about what they're looking for in their next home. So we have specific questions on there. We have if they're wanting a, how many bedrooms, how many baths, square footage, 
We're asking them, which I think is a very important question, if they need to buy or if they need to sell before they buy. We're asking them if they're, they're purchasing the property with someone else. Specific information to learn, specific questions to learn more about them so that we can set them up on a property search and start sending them alerts. And then also, like I said, a lot of times that's when they'll put in their phone number and then we call them immediately after they submit that. How many contacts does it typically take for you through either email or text before you end up with a conversation? I mean, this, we've been tracking that. It's all over the board. I typically 10 to 15 contacts, and it just depends on where we are in the follow-up process. I think the biggest thing that people need to realize with internet leads, everybody buys leads on Zillow or, you know, wherever they're using Boomtown, and they think it's supposed to be easy and they're going to get a conversion immediately. That's not the case. You are typically not going to convert a lead until you followed up with them for three to six months. A lot of times you've got a lot of looky-loos out there that just are curious about what's going on in the market. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we're constantly following up with them to capture them at the right time. So the front end, a lot of them, it'll go to voicemail. So we send a text, try to get a response, and then we'll send a wish list and we'll keep doing that until we can get a response. I mean, we've had people call us a year later and those are so much fun because that's when you really know you did your job. And they'll tell you, I mean, that is when you know, that's when you've worked really hard to earn that relationship. They don't owe us anything. Potential buyers and sellers don't owe us anything. It's our job to continue to follow up and be a resource for potential clients. And when we do that and they know that we're coming from that place of value, they will do business with us and then they'll refer us business forever because they know that we follow up and we're going to do what we say we're going to do. You know, Sarah, you make an interesting observation there. You said that you don't take leads from Google or one of these paid programs, a Boomtown or something. You developed it in-house and you've been a couple years into this. Will you continue down that path or will you switch to a, a service that already provides internet leads and why? If we switch to anything, it would be Boomtown just because, I mean, that system is amazing and their backend system is amazing. I think we'll always have our own individual websites on top of that because those are our leads that we're generating and we don't have the overhead. So in order to play red light, green light, I don't want a bunch of overhead and spending on internet leads when we've got an abundance of leads coming in. I want to work on our conversion rates with our people. Four or 500 leads a month is a lot of leads for our people. And the one thing I've learned in the past year, we have got so immersed in internet lead generation. We've forgotten our numbers show better, but past clients, referrals, and people that we know is the easiest form of business to get. Internet leads have been a huge blessing for us. So don't get me wrong there. I think you can make it, and I know you can, because we have made a very big business off of them. But before we did something like that, I would want to make sure that we're masters at getting our fear leads to convert and past clients and referrals. If we don't have to do a lot of overhead as far as spending, why would we? And that's, I think we'll always be a profitable business because that's very important to us so that when the market does shift and it will shift, then we can dump into some of those companies when everybody else is having to bail out because they don't have the money to do it. And we've sought top money to do that. Well, that's a great segue into the next topic, and that is you are now generating a lot of business from repeat and referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. If I understand correctly, you add them all up to around 62% of your current business. Let's talk about how you did that. I assume you're building up a database. 
How many people are in that database of past clients and sphere of influence? There's probably, I would say, about a thousand people total in past clients and sphere. I mean, most of that's going to be sphere. Past clients total, we've worked with 167, 170 people. So most of that's going to be us actively networking and putting everyone that we know on our fear list, even if they don't live in Memphis or Nashville, even if they, I mean, that was the one thing I learned coming to a brand new city. People in Atlanta, I moved from Atlanta, people in Atlanta always know somebody that's buying or selling. So why can't we service them and find a great agent for them to work with? And then we capture referrals. Well, that is a rather large sphere list. How have you decided who's going to go on there? You got about 800 and some people in the sphere group. Who are you adding into that list? Is it people that you've met? Is it people that you haven't met? Is it both? Who are you putting onto that list? People that we've met. So that's who goes into the database is everyone that we've met. So, I mean, even if I go to a networking event and I get 15 cards, everybody goes into the database. Right. You mentioned you're doing a lot of networking or you did a lot initially to break into the new market. Are you still doing a lot of networking? Um, I am in Memphis now, so that focus has changed since I've moved into a different market. Not as much as I'd like. I have a two-year-old, and I've got another child on the way, so (laughs) my networking days are a little short with the season, but during the day, our goal for every one of our team members is to add five to ten new fear contacts a week. That's not that hard. You could go into a Panera Bread, which we did this with one of our agents, offer a free cookie, and we asked Panera permission offer a free cookie and pass out free cookies during lunch to everybody and ask them who they know. If we can help anybody in the area, please keep us in mind. And we got three, three leads off of that. And that was a 30 minute time frame. <laughs> That's great. Bring your cookies to Panera. From Panera. Yeah. We just got hot and ready cookies from Panera and pass it out to the people that were dining. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So now you've got all this database, past clients and sphere of influence. Are they also in follow-up boss? Everybody's in follow-up boss, yes. Our people have to breathe and live daily in follow-up boss every day, all day. Can you tell us what your annual plan is for marketing and talking to your past clients and sphere of influence? Could you walk us through what you do in the course of a year? So typically we have a 36-touch program is what it's called. So we'll have ideally two client appreciation events for calling each quarter. And then we send out a newsletter each month that goes out to both markets. So that's 12 a year. And then I send a call once a quarter. And then we do four promotions type offers. Like say there's a new restaurant coming into town. You go to the new restaurant and try to get some piece of value, promo code or whatever it may be for our sphere and past clients for them to enjoy a free appetizer or whatever that may be four times a year as well. You said you have two client appreciation parties. What are you doing? What are those events? I'll be honest with you. Our goal is two. We have only had one each year. And this next year, we just actually revised the plan. We're going to do two. In the past, what we've done, we typically try to stay away from the holidays because there's so much going on the holidays. So we try to do it really, to be honest with you, after the first of the year going into the busy season. So most of the time, those land around February, into February, beginning of March. We've done a wine and cheese cocktail event, and that was a huge turnout at a small place in Nashville. And then we also did an event 
and we partnered with a local furniture store, which that was a lot of fun as well because we're highlighting a local business and they have people coming in that need realtors all the time. And so we partnered with them and then we did a giveaway drawing for a piece of furniture with that furniture store. And that was a good turnout as well. Doing something within the community to promote a business. The next year we're talking about doing some sort of you know sports game. And we have talked about doing something in the spring and fall. We just haven't had that on the, the you know schedule. Now you mentioned you're sending out a newsletter once a month. Is that going out by email or snail mail? Email. Email, very good. And what's in that newsletter? Typically what you're going to see with our blog. We don't really recreate the will there. We're going to do a stat. We're going to highlight new developments that are going on in the city. And then we're probably going to do a fun article about something going on in the city. And they typically get a pretty high click-through rate. Now, you also mentioned that you have uh, four calls once a quarter. What do you say during those calls? So what we do and how we have this set up to make sure that our team is actually doing that with the database size that we have, we print out everybody's sphere, our admin does, at the beginning of the month. And then it's in a simple Excel spreadsheet, so they'll check off name by name. And they're just calling them, asking for business. Hey, this is a business call. Typically with his friends and family, they want to talk to us about everything but business. And I typically say, you know, hey, you know, this is Sarah Lason with the Lason Group. So great to hear from you, Brett. You know, this is a business call. I'm at work right now. I just wanted to call and see who you knew that we could assist that's buying, selling, or invest in real estate right now. And they're typically going to say, well, I don't know of anyone. Well, do you have anybody? Yeah, I know that you're big in your kickball league or at church or you're volunteering for XYZ. Have you heard anybody say that they're interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate? And typically, if you dig on another two to three questions, they're going to know somebody. So that typically script works. And then we'll do another script. So we have, this sounds really cheesy, but we have this wrestling belt (laughs) that we have a competition with, with all of our team members to win the wrestling belt. And that's as part of a full, like, as far as appointments, contacts, calling their sphere and that sort of thing. So they'll call their sphere and say, hey, I'm in a contest to win this belt. If I win this belt, get to go to eat with my husband or go on a free trip or whatever. Who do you know right now that is interested in buying, selling, or investing? And so most of the time, your sphere wants you to win a competition. So they're going to give you some names. And we actually do have a competition. So we're not just telling them that. And then they typically get names that way. And so it sounds like you probably alternate those back and forth uh, through the four calls of the year. Typically, we'll do that. And then whenever we're having our client appreciation event, we'll call and invite them to the client appreciation event or follow up with them and say, I'm so sorry we missed you at the client appreciation event. Just wanted to check in, see how you guys were doing. If it's a past client, we immediately set them up on them. As soon as they close, we're constantly checking in with them via phone call. We'll call them, you know, in two weeks. Hey, just wanted to see if you got everything moved in. Do you need any vendors? Do you need any contacts that we can help you with to help make your transition easier? That's an easy call. And then in two months, three months, call them back and say, hey, just wanted to see if you got everything situated. I'd love to come by and see the house, see what you guys have done to it. Obviously, referrals mean the world to us. If y'all know of anybody, we'd love to work with them. And then we do that throughout the whole year. Sounds to me like you're asking directly for referrals. Yes, you have to. If not, you shouldn't even pick up the phone. <laughs> There's no point. Your D just came they're out. They're not just going to give it to you. I mean, I know. I mean, they're not going to if, if you're not asking for it. I mean, you have to ask for business. I mean, everybody said this. You've had a family member that's ended up going with another agent because they forgot that you're a realtor. 
And that's our fault, not theirs. Everybody wants to be mad at the family member. Well, then I look at them and I've done it too. Why didn't I call them? That's my fault. Let me ask you this, because you're that D personality. My guess is that in your mind, you're thinking, I got to get out there and talk to them. And you've got a very aggressive stance in your mind. However, when you get on the phone, my assumption is you're softer in your actual approach. So your mentality is to be aggressive, but your approach is softer. Is that true? It depends on who I'm speaking with. Ah, okay. <laughs> I mean, you got to know your audience. So if I'm speaking with a friend from college that knows my personality and they know I'm calling for business, then I can say that to them. If it's a past client that is a little bit more laid back, mild manner, I'm probably not going to go in like that. I'm going to go in for a value piece. How can I help you X, Y, and Z? I'm usually I have a plan in place before I call them because I know their personality type. And then I just tailor my call to that personality type. Do you keep notes on their personality type inside your database? We keep everything inside our database, yes. I mean, every single call, every single conversation is in our notes in our database. And any team member, if I was to call for one of our team members, I would know exactly what was said on the previous call and I would know exactly what they like and you know how they act and that sort of thing so that I could have a, a good conversation and connect with them as well if our team member's out sick or whatever. For anyone listening, do you have any advice, any additional advice for how they can get more business out of their past clients and sphere of influence? I mean, just just constantly being in people's mind, constantly reaching out, not being afraid to do the uncomfortable. I mean, that's the biggest thing in this business is we think we get a real estate license and all of a sudden everybody's going to, friends and family, and everyone's going to want to work with us. But that's not unfortunately the case. So, I mean, I'm constantly making sure I'm at the forefront of people's mind. I'm always talking about real estate, probably obnoxiously to my friends whenever I'm around them. But everybody loves to discuss real estate and it's fun for them. And, And even being a small business owner, even if you're a single agent, you're still a small business owner. People love to rally around that and whatever they can do to help you with that. A lot of people don't have the guts to do it. And when you do it and they see you're doing it, they'll help you tenfold to try to be as successful as possible. They want to see you succeed. I'd like to switch just briefly to your team. You did a great job for outlining the team for us and then which market they're in. One of the questions that people ask often is about compensation for buyer agents and listing agents. Can you tell us how you set that up? Yeah. So this kind of goes back with us not having a lot of overhead. So we probably pay more than a lot of teams. So we do 50-50 split for our buyer's agent. Our, our listing agents, it's a 60-40 split, 40 to the listing agent, 60 to us because we have to do all the marketing and pay for all the marketing of that. So typically that's our, our standard is 50-50. But I mean, we pay them, I mean, to be honest with you, I pay them right when they start. Even if I'm, if I'm heavily involved in the deal and I'm heavily involved in a lot of the deals with the new agents, but I look at them as an investment. If they're doing what the tasks that they're supposed to do to be successful, then I would rather spend more money on them to make sure that, you know, they're doing what I need them to do and that they keep coming back to us. Are your agents handling their own transaction management once it goes under contract or once it goes listed? We have a contract to close admin and she's the admin for in Nashville, it's a full-time admin. So she does all the contract clothes. And then she's an admin for me, executive assistant is what I call her for me. But 
And then in Memphis, we have a part-time admin that does contract close. But at first, when they first start, they have to do several on their own because they won't understand the process if I just had a contract close person do it for them. They need to understand the entire picture before they have a contract close admin. Well, Sarah, people have been listening to us and the outline of your organization. And the question they're going to have on their minds is, are you profitable? Oh, yes, we are profitable. That was the one thing I learned from the start from a CPA. Put a certain amount of percentage into your, basically pay yourself. So everything goes into your business account. Then you have a tax account with a certain percentage. Then you have a personal percentage that you pay yourself for. And then the rest remains in business. Do you recall what those percentages are? So for our business, we put 35% in there. So everything is paid into business. So we keep 35% in the business, 40% into personal, and then about 25% into taxes. Personal, you know, obviously would go into our checking and savings account. So, And then we also have a business reserves account. We'll put about 5% of our business, overall 35%, 5% of that goes into a business reserves. So if the market does shift, we have reserve account. And I don't think a lot of agents do at that from the start. And that's where you're just getting by at that point. But we were told, you know, to immediately to do that. And I think that, in my opinion, that was the reason why we took off and we had more monies to do more things and hire more people because of it. Very smart. So if you were to look back over the last year, do you know what your approximate profit margin is as a percentage of the revenue, not a dollar amount? I mean, my husband says about 30%, 30, 35%. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Thank you. It's been pretty standard since we started. Sarah, what drives you? My family and our team. I used to say it was just my family. And then when you start adding team members on, they are your family and you're responsible just as they are for them as well. So, I mean, it'll always be my family and then our team. Sarah, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Start a database and create some sort of marketing for that database. And it doesn't have to be this beautiful flyer. It doesn't have to be some great article. Just start calling them (laughs) and telling them or write a handwritten note. Just let them know that you're in the business. And the database is the most important thing. It's the foundation of our business. Sarah, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing right now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Yes. I was just saying before we got on this call, I listened to this podcast before I had sold a single transaction. Somebody in our office told me about this podcast, and it was extremely helpful. And I still listen to it because there's always somebody doing something different or better than what we are. And you, you always have to be come from a place of learning and education. And these types of interviews are extremely, extremely helpful for everybody at all levels in the business. Well, Sarah, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? No, I would just say for us just being four years in for new agents, it's hard at first. I know it's hard, but if you keep at it and you keep falling up and you want it bad enough, you can excel very, very quickly in this business and you've made a leap of faith to get in it. So um, when the going gets tough, keep going, and uh, I promise it'll pay off. Well, Sarah, as a true entrepreneur, you've learned how to set a goal, plan a strategy, take action, then adjust based on the results. You did this when you started into the business 
by taking a few months to develop your skills and set a plan before jumping in with both feet and networking with everyone you could find. Plus, assisting the homegrown internet leads generated by your husband, Scott. The result was a fast start, selling 25 homes your first year. Then, you used this same strategy when you moved 200 miles away, opened a second office, and ran your core team long distance. And now, you're closing in on a million-dollar GCI. I believe you have the tools and the drive to build an even more successful business. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 48 homes last year with one assistant and lots of internet leads. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.